I like your sneakers you got on this morning. You're getting trendy, eh? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you today. Fantastic, especially uh, on this series on the Holy Spirit and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a good Bible-based evangelical church, um, but they never spoke about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we were like the uh, church, uh, like the disciples at Ephesus had. Paul came across and began to talk to them, say, oh, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. We never heard of the Holy Spirit, never talked about him. And uh, so to come into the whole uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit for me was a transforming thing in my life and had a huge, huge uh, impact uh, right through uh, since uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it's a great series. I encourage you, if this is a new area for you, new journey for you, uh, really press into God in this. It's an exciting journey for you to take. Just imagine that you're tramping uh, uh, down the South Island there and and uh, through the South Island you've got this uh, great mountain range through there, the Southern, Southern Alps. And uh, then on one side you've got like the Canterbury Plains and um, it's like it's, it's flat, it's dry, uh, there's not, especially in like in the middle of summer, there's not much life. Occasionally you get a little clump of lush or something like that, but generally it's, it's pretty dry, it's pretty bit like the rugby team, it's not so good, but there's, there's a marked difference when you come to, if you go up the range to the other side, to the west coast, uh, there's a marked difference there because you come onto the west coast and then all of a sudden it's, it's like it's green and it's lush and there's growth and, and, and it's just so different from one side to the other side. And in many ways, the day of Pentecost divides the Word of God very much like the Southern Alps divides the South Island. And uh, before the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament, uh, uh, we find that there were moments here occasionally little outcrops of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You maybe take, for example, like Samson or, you know, there was different ones that occasionally the power of God came upon them. Something amazing happened. Uh, but generally it was just like a little outcrop. It was uh, not consistent. It didn't last. Most of the time it was pretty flat. It was pretty dry through there. And uh, then Jesus came. And uh, Jesus, we know there was, uh, uh, it was like God came down to earth. Jesus lived a good life and uh, he knew the word of God. Uh, remember when he was only just 12 years old, he was debating there uh, in the temple there uh, uh, with the church leaders there. And they were amazed at his knowledge of the word of God, uh, but he didn't perform any miracles. And we don't have any stories about Jesus talking to his mates and saying, hey, watch me, and wandering across the water or anything like that. There was no stories of any miracles that Jesus did uh, until the Holy Spirit came on him. And so apart really from those that were really close to him, nobody really knew of Jesus much for the first uh, 30 years of his life. But after the Holy Spirit came upon him, everything changed. And that's three years Everyone in that region of the world knew about him. The difference was the Holy Spirit. It was like the difference was like crossing the Southern Alps. It was going from a dry, barren area. All of a sudden, there was like stuff was happening. There were miracles. There was life. There was vibrancy that was happening uh, in the church at that time that, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. See, and while Jesus was on this earth, uh, he was limited. He was limited to one human body in one place. He was restricted to just one person reaching just a few people at a time. And so he gathered his disciples together and he said to his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 12, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, 
He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. You say, how is this possible? How could we do greater works than Jesus? Disciples of Jesus do greater works. And we know that it's not greater works in quality. You know, how could we match what Jesus did? But it was greater works in quantity. Because Jesus was restricted to one place at one time and one era. And uh, his plan was that the gospel would reach the uttermost parts of the earth. And so he was restricted to one place. And so he says, uh, uh, just wait, it's going to change. There's going to be the coming of the Holy Spirit. He shows how it's going to be done there in verse 16. And he says, and I will pray the Father and he will send you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so Jesus is saying that there is going to be another helper. What he's saying is there's going to be another one the same as me that's going to come and help you. This is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to do works and even greater works than what I've done. Because another helper, another one the same as me, is going to come alongside of you uh, as the disciples and then as the church. And so my ministry is going to increase, but it's going to be another one the same as me. And so then just before Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, he said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he said, And after being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So if people start giving you times and dates of when Jesus is coming back, uh, Jesus said, that's not going to happen. Okay, God gives a promise, the devil gives a date. Always remember that with prophecy, okay? God gives a promise, the devil gives a date. Jesus said, it's not for you, it's not for you to know times or seasons uh, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we know what happened on Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. We read these words, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were seating. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. The name Pentecost, it means 50. And uh, it was a Jewish feast that came 50 days after the feast of the Passover. The feast of the Passover talks about the lamb that was shared, talks about our salvation where Jesus, the lamb of God, was shared for our sins. And so it celebrates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, came 50 days after uh, the slain of the lamb, the Passover. See, and so the law was their guide. The law was their schoolmaster. It was their guide to life. It was showed what God's expectations were. And, but the problem was that the law, it was hard, it was dreary, it was legalistic, uh, it was religious, 
It was like a hard schoolmaster that could never be pleased. Do you ever have one of those? You know, a school teacher that could never be pleased? The law was like that. And Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life, but the law didn't give them abundant life. The law was the opposite. The law told them about God's commands. It told them about God's requirements. The law told them that they were sinners. The law brought them under condemnation because they always felt guilty. They couldn't keep the law, and so they were always making mistakes, and so they were always feeling guilty, and, and uh, they knew they were children of God, but God up there seemed to be like someone that was really harsh, and, and, and uh, they're trying to keep these laws, and so then they added laws to laws, and, and it just became worse. But on the day of Pentecost, Jesus not only came to deal with our sin problem by dying for us on the cross, but he also sent us power. He gave us his Holy Spirit. And so the reason he did this is so that we may know what God wants us to know. We can say what God wants us to say. And we can do what God wants us to do. See, there are four steps in your Christian initiation. I really want to encourage you today. You need to know these four steps in your life. The first step is that you repented at some point in your life. You were doing your own thing. You were going your own way, like you're walking your life down this way. At some point in your life, you felt this is wrong. You know, and you repent of your sins. But then where do you go? Do you turn to Buddha? Do you turn to Muhammad? Where, where do you go? No, you turn to Jesus. There needs to be that second step in your life because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so we need to know a time where we repented. We need to know a time when we turned to Jesus and asked Jesus to become our Savior so that we could come to the Father. We could have our sins forgiven. Then the next step is water baptism. There needs to be a time in your life, if you haven't been baptized and you're a Christian, you should have been water baptized. And because it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And so it, it's something that you, that you go, like when you ask Jesus to come into your life, maybe nobody knew about it. It's something that a decision that you just made in your life and, and uh, you knew what you had done, but nobody else knew. But water baptism is a public confession of your inward faith. And so you're telling everybody, I'm dying to myself and I'm rising again to live a new life in Jesus Christ. You need to have known a time in your Christian experience when you were baptized in water. Say, I did it as a baby. No, you, your parents did that <laughs> for you when you were a baby. It is something that you have make a public commitment of faith for. And then the fourth step you need to know is that being baptized in the Holy Spirit. A time when you receive the power of God to, for service. A baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, he said this, he said, in Luke chapter 24, 29, he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Years ago on telly, there used to be uh, this TV program called American Hero. And uh, like there was this little skinny guy. He would win the Mr. Puniverse contest. He was like a little skinny little fella. But when he put this cloak on, he was clothed with power from on high. Like he could do all these amazing things. He had power that he never had before. That is what this verse is talking about. 
You know, we, we, we could win the Mr. Puniverse contest. You know, we're Christians, but we're, we don't sort of feel like we're any good at anything. We can't do too much, and, and we kind of feel weak. But, but then the Holy Spirit comes and clothes us with power from on high. We had a power that we never had before, an enabling that we never had before. Now we have a power that we can overcome. It is the power of God. See, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can achieve nothing of any lasting value in the kingdom of God. But with the Holy Spirit working through us, we can produce a fruit that will remain. See, a good personality will gather people, but it won't hold them. See, you, you can have a positive mental attitude, which is really good. It can even bring healing uh, in your body, a positive, a positive mental attitude. But it will only hold as long as you hold a positive mental attitude. And you stop doing that and it will change. But the Holy Spirit, like, he gives us access into the bank of heaven. I kind of think like heaven is all the resources of heaven up there. And he gives us the keys to heaven. He gives us the keys to God's power and God's provision in our life. It's like all the resources of heaven are just sitting there waiting for us to draw upon those resources and bring them into our life, in, in, into our experience so that we can serve God. And so the Holy Spirit, he enables us to reach into those resources and to place them where the power of God uh, needs to go, the enabling of God needs to go. Let's just have a couple of points on that. First point I want to make here today is that we are dependent on power. We are dependent on power. We live in a society that is dependent on power. Even today here, we've got lights, we've got sound, did we have heating here today? I'm not sure about the heating part of it, but, you know, they all use power. Society would be find it very difficult to function without power. Imagine if you had to get up this morning and it was like cold shower. That would may solve the problem the kid's been in the shower too long, but... You know, and, and then you would get to work and there's no computer, there's no photocopy machine, worst of all, like there's no coffee. And then you come and you get home again, there's cold meat and, you know, just salad for, for your meal and no TV, no Coronation Street, no Shortland Street. You know, actually it's starting to sound quite good, isn't it? Actually, but, you know, and there are different kinds of power. Like there's uncontrolled power. And you can have an electrical storm that releases millions of volts. We used to live in Vanuatu for a while. And, and, uh, and sometimes you look out on the horizon and there's like all of this electricity, these, these lightning storm and on the horizon. It used to be really spectacular, but it was useless. We couldn't use any of it. We couldn't even light a light bulb with it. There was all this power there, but it was uncontrolled power. It was useless. And, uh, but then there is controlled power. And the power of, say, the Waikato River to generate electricity. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's this controlled power that turns generators and, 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 and takes it and we can use it. And so it can be harnessed, it can be controlled, it can be directed. And uncontrolled power can be dangerous. But harness power can be useful. And so we can walk into a room, we can casually just flick a switch and, and a light comes on and darkness vanishes and, and uh, this little light bulb, which is just worth just a few dollars, just a bit of plastic and tin and, 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 and glass and we flick the switch and, and we control this tremendous power. 
don't know if you've ever been uh, to any of the hydro stations. When we were kids, we used to get taken down and have trips through the hydro stations and or we'd go to uh, coal or we'd go to steam and, and go and see these tremendous turbines which are working here and, uh, you know, millions more powerful than the human hand and yet by a tiny hand we can just flick a switch and control that power and the power is applied. See, I can have a need. I want to drill a hole in the wall and so I can take my drill and I can plug it in there and I can put it to the hole and I can pull the trigger and I can apply power into that situation to meet the need that I have. The power of the Holy Spirit is like this. See, we have needs. We see needs. But we just like a $5 switch. We think, well, I can't do that. You know, that's beyond me. But God gives to us power. God gives to us enabling to meet a need. God places needs before us. He places miracles that are needed before us. God says, I want you to go in there and establish that person. I want you to go in there and apply my kingdom into that situation. And we say, God, I don't know how to do that. I'm hopeless. I'm just a $5 switch. I can't, I, I can't do that. And the Lord says, but I want you to apply power into that situation. If you just step out in faith, if you just speak the word in faith, if you just reach out in faith, and you just lay hands in faith. If you just step into that situation in faith, you can just say the word and the mighty power station in heaven will begin to flow and flow down through you and into that situation in which you speak. He says, just have faith. Just say the word. Just lay, lay on hands. Just step out. Just move in faith and the power of God will work. See, we can walk into church this morning and it's all dark and there's no sound and there's no power on. Someone says, why don't you turn the lights on? They say, turn the sound on. I can't hear a word. You say, oh, don't be stupid, you know. I can't make power. You know, ask someone else who's full of hot air. They might be able to do it, you know, but I can't do it. And the person says, but have you turned the switch on? Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, I turned the switch on. See, we can be like that. God speaks to us and God says, I want you to move into that situation. I want you to pray for that sick person. You know, I want you to believe for a miracle. I want you to believe for provision. And, and we say, God, I can't do that. I'm just a $5 switch. I, I, I can't do that. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, don't go out and preach the gospel until you have the power of God. Otherwise, you're just a $5 switch. You know, he knows that. God doesn't expect us to be what we're not. He says, I know that you can't do it in your own strength. I know you can't do it in your own power. That is why, wait in Jerusalem, he said to the disciples, until you are clothed with power from on high. They were already followers of Jesus Christ. If you read earlier in John, Jesus had breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how can you have more of the Holy Spirit? That was one of the arguments they used to have in the church I grew up in. How can you have more of the Holy Spirit? You can know a person in different ways. You know, I, I may know Pastor Darrell initially as a friend, but then I know him as a work colleague. You know, I can know him in different ways. And so you can know the Spirit of God. He may come and, and you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian but you have not received the power of the Holy Spirit for ministry. And so you can know him in different ways. 
And so we find on the day of Pentecost, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The power of God came on them. How do we know? They began to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not the only one, but it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was the evidence that the Holy Spirit was at work in their life, that the power was connected up. You need to remember, see, who these disciples were. Peter was just a rough, uneducated fisherman. Others were just ordinary people. They prayed for a man and he had been healed. The Bible says when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished as they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see this, the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Later on we read in Acts chapter 14 verse 9, Paul and Barnabas, they come across a man that's crippled in his feet and never walked. It says, but as he listened to Paul speaking, his faith is building and, and Paul says, stand up on your feet. And it says, that man jumped up and began to walk and the people thought that they were gods. And Paul and Barnabas, they had to stop the crowd from worshipping and they had to say to them, no, we, we are just men, we're just humans just like you are. See, the Holy Spirit's power had been flowing through these people. They saw this man had faith to be healed. See, when the power of God begins to flow, it meets with faith. Faith and the power of God mixed together. As you apply that, you see miracles begin to happen. I can remember in my own life, and, and I was really, because I'd never heard of the Holy Spirit, and then I be, God began to awaken me to this holy area and began to show me uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, I began to really take a journey, really, to find out more and and uh, I got to the point where I was so desperate, I so wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I went along to a house meeting which was run by a chap called Bill Sabritsky. Some of you will know Bill Sabritsky, and um, this was before he got famous and moved to a, big, a bigger meeting, but he used to have it in his house. And I got Bill to pray for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in tongues, I don't know whether I was just copying him or doing what, but, but something that happened on the inside... A week later, we were uh, down at uh, Marilyn's parents' batch uh, down at Tyrua, and we had a couple with us that we took with us that were sceptical. They were just sceptical about the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we went down for the weekend, and on the Saturday, uh, the lady, she went down with a terrible migraine. She used to get them quite regular. And so all day Saturday, she had this terrible migraine, and she had it right through the night. She couldn't sleep. And in the middle of the night, she prayed and she said to God, she said, if what Luke is saying about the Holy Spirit is true, can you wake him up? And at that moment, our cat we took down was started fighting with the neighbor's cat down there. And so Marilyn got up and uh, we prayed for our friend and she was instantly healed of a migraine. I had never prayed for anyone in my life. I'd never seen a healing in my life. We never ever thought to do that. And never seen a miracle God work in such a way. She never had another migraine for years and years later after that. You know, all of a sudden, like, there was something different that was happening. It was an inner confidence I had uh, that God gave me through the power of the Holy Spirit. So really just encourage you, you know, if you start in a journey, really start this journey of seeking after the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we get this power? First, we need to be emptied. You know, our lives can be like a jar that is full of pebbles. It is just so full of other things that there's no room for God. 
we can be filled with ourselves. We can be filled with activities. We can be filled with our careers. We can be filled with sports. We can be filled with fears and unbelief. We can be filled with unforgiveness and bitterness. We can be filled with religion. We can be so filled with religion that religious traditions that we struggle to accept what God wants to do in our life. And God just gets the leftover. Psalm 139, 24, it says this. It's a good prayer for us to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad and lead me on the path of everlasting life. You know, if we're hungry for God to fill us, first of all, we need to be emptied so there's room for him to come and fill us. Maybe some of the things in our lives that we're filling our life with, we need to uh, get rid of them so that he can come and fill that place. Secondly, we need to pray for it. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit as they spoke the, the word of God with boldness. And so we know that the disciples, they devoted themselves to prayer, and the Holy Spirit fell as they devoted themselves to prayer on the day of Pentecost. See, prayer empties our hearts. Prayer is the sense we're coming to God and say, God, we are dependent on you. We need you. And so the emptying our hearts, if you want to know the power of God, you need to pray for it. The third thing I've got down here is that we must earnestly desire that power. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And if you read some stories about um, the early Pentecostal pioneers and their stories about how they used to have towering meetings, where they would just really tarry, they just really press into God, I wait on God and, and pray for the Spirit's God. See, if, is, you know, maybe God is asking you to do something just to test your hunger, just to see how desperately you want it. You know, maybe your pride or maybe something is just stopping you from, and, and God will ask you to do something just to test you because if you're not hungry for God, you won't be willing to pay the price and you won't be filled. You need to seek God of all your heart. And then we have to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to earn Him. You don't have to wait till you've been a Christian or five or 10 or 15 years so that you're mature enough or whatever. You just have to receive what God has got for you. See, the gift of salvation is God's gift to the world. For God so loved the world that He gave. The gift of Salvation is God's gift to the world, but the gift of the Holy Spirit is God's gift to His people, the church. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the great truth about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that it is not an option. It is a command. God knew that Christians would be, these new, brand new Christians, they'd be no match for the devil in their own strength. And you aren't either. I'm not either. See, and notice as you read the Bible and it talks about the Holy Spirit, and often you see the word fire or you see the word power and linked when it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the firepower of God. He's not an optional extra. You can go and buy a car and 
you get a basic car and then you think, I want a few extras on here. You know, I want a supercharger and I want some eggs and I want some different things on, on this car. And, and like the little optional extras that you get, the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra that you get. He's the motor. You know, you need the motor and before you have all the extras, he's the motor that you need to have him. And I just really want to just encourage you, Pastor Darrell just comes forward. I just really want to encourage you just to, during this month, you know, maybe you've come from a background like I came from, a good Bible-based church, but you've never really been taught about the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're at a walk in your Christian life and you've never really pushed. This month, you know, this is a month of outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let me really encourage you, just do some pressing in. Just do maybe like the old Pentecostal, some tarrying. You know, do some reading, read the scriptures, read some books. You know, I used to devour some of the books. There's some great books out there of, of people that, you know, uh, pressed into God and received the power of the Holy Spirit. I know in my own life it was a transforming thing. I look back and all the tremendous miracles that we've seen happen and the provision that God's given to us. And, you know, from someone that was an introverted, shy boy that hated public speaking, still don't like public speaking. And, uh, you know, the, what God has done has just been amazing. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. If I had not known that baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure I still would have loved God. I still would have been faithful in church. But I'd never have known the outpouring of God's Spirit on my life that we have known. So I really encourage you through the season just to press into that. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Amen. Pastor. Come on, can we give Pastor Luke a big round of applause? Thank you so much, Pastor Luke. Awesome. We're going to close our service in a few moments, but before we do that, can I can I ask that right across this auditorium that we we all uh, just take a moment right here? Can I uh, can I invite you to close your eyes and bow your head right now? Maybe. Pastor Luke talked about first steps, about steps, and and the very first step is it, it all begins with knowing. God. And, and this morning, whether maybe this is your first time in church or your first time in a long time, but, but, but I, I want to give an opportunity uh, right here, right now for you to begin that journey. And here's the good news that, that God so loved the world, He sent His one and only Son. He sent His Son, Jesus, to this earth uh, to die on a cross for you and for me. He became the sacrifice of all of the stuff that we've done wrong, like our sin, and that, that was the separation from us knowing God. And when Jesus died on that cross, He, he paid your debt and 